Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two debonair, handsome co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, Hello, gentlemen. gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. If this is your first time listening to us, you can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. Dot com. Dot com. So um, today's episode, we are going to be talking about James Cameron's 1986 uh, sequel, Aliens. But before we do that, I thought we'd... Uh, do a little bit of a deviation um, and talk about the the BBC had a, uh, polled a bunch of film critics. How many film critics did they pull? 177 film critics from around the world. A lot. To Two uh, million. Pi- to pick the top 100 best movies of the 21st century thus far. Um, and I thought it'd be interesting to talk about it, especially because this is a show about watching old movies or movies that have come out already and determining whether or not they're good and hold up. So I think it's kind of interesting to look at this top 100 List. Um, I won't obviously name all 100. If you want to find out the actual list, you can just Google BBC Top 100 and it will show up pretty readily because this made a big splash on in the film community uh, about people arguing about what should be included. I think it's interesting because... Um, like listing is like the thing that movie lovers love to do. Like we love to list things, yeah. but lists are inherently meaningless because they like don't, it's like a totally a subjective thing, especially when it comes to movies, which are an art form. So you can't quantify, like how do you quantify if a drama is better than a comedy and all that right. crap. And it's apples to apples. Yeah. Like same thing. Like they, some are so completely different. Um, but yeah, it's worth talking about this top 20 list. So I'm going to read just the top 20 um, and then we can go there and talk about it a little bit. So number 20 is Synecdoche, New York. Uh, by uh, Charlie Kaufman. Number 19 is Mad Max from George Miller. 18 is The White Ribbon from Michael Haneke. Uh, 17 is Pan's Labyrinth from Guillermo del Toro. 16 is Holy Motors Motors from Leos Carra, which is a film I've never seen. Uh, There's Four Months, months, Three Weeks, and Two Days by uh, Christian Mangiu, which I think is... um, is that where's that film from? Algeria? No, it's not Algeria. Romanian. Romanian. That's what yep. it is. I've seen that movie. It's about abortion. It's a happy, uh, <laughs> yeah, very happy, go lucky movie. Uh, the Act of Killing by Joshua Oppenheimer. <laughs> Children of Men by Alfonso Cuarón. Uh, Zodiac by David Fincher. Inside Lewin Davis by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Uh, no Country for Old Men by the Cohen Brothers. A Separation by uh, Ashgar Farhardi. Farhardi is that how you say it? Farhardi. Uh, there you go. Uh, Yee Yee, a one and two by Edward Yang. The Tree of Life by Malik. Yeah. Eternal, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind by Michelle Gondry. Uh, Boyhood by Linklater. Spirited Away by Hayao Miyazaki. <laughs> uh, there Will Be Blood by T- Paul Thomas Anderson. In the Mood for Love by Wong Kar Wai. And Mulholland Drive is the number one film of the century, according to the BBC, by David Lynch. So um, I'll shut up for a second. Dave, what are your impressions of this top 20? Uh, well, it's not surprising. I mean, it, it, these lists are interesting because... I think it, a couple are surprising in that top 20. Yeah. Oh, well, okay, I mean, I, I guess, well, I, you guys are familiar with Sight and Sound magazine, right? That's the one who does the... Uh, they, they That's a, a similar thing. It's a British publication that um, every 10 years has been doing a, a list of the greatest... I think typically they, they publish the top 10, but now they will publish the top 250 every 10 years and and Mulholland Drive and In the Mood for Love I think are the only newer movies that are in that that top uh, 50 you know of that list and just like the BBC list it's a poll of critics people who like have been doing this for a living and I I know it's become uh, especially in social media the past few months it's become a popular thing to kind of shit on critics opinions because what what do critics know you know like you know it, it you know, we made these movies for fans, you know, but critics, you know, it's, it's like, a if you sit there and watch movies for a living, if you watch movies all the time, then you're going to have some, uh, some, you know, I would say some good taste in movies, you know, at least some knowledge about what makes a good movie and what makes a bad movie. So this list isn't mathematically perfect. I mean, you can't, you can't make a perfect list of like, you know, what one, you can't objectively say one movie is better than the other. I think you can objectively say a movie is good or bad. I don't think you can say a movie is, you know, that like In the Mood for Love is any better or worse than Mulholland Drive or that Mad Max is any better or worse than There Will Be Blood. But I think the fact that they they must have had some kind of algorithm to go, you know, that they used going through all these top 10 lists of all these 177 critics to come up with this list. So, 
you know, by that measure, I think, you know, okay, then maybe boyhood is like one notch up from eternal sunshine of spotless mind. You know, it's because, uh, you know, it, they're measure they're measuring what film critics think of movies and, you know, what, what have the best movies been of the past 25 years? Well, my, Mike, my first question for you is, I'm guessing you see no movies on this top 20 list. Is that correct? <laughs> no, or, no, or I've, seen a, I've seen a couple. I had it on um, 10 years. It's only 15 years. Right? Um, and there's a couple, actually, I, I'm surprised to see on here. Like, I'm surprised to see uh, Fury Road for such a recent film. I'm surprised that it made it up there. Um, yeah, I feel but like, why not? <laughs> no, and I, I loved it too. I thought it was really good. I like seeing it there. I'm, I'm happy to see it there. But part of me is almost like, you know, maybe we just we just give that a couple of years to settle and just make sure that's still in. Like, maybe we throw it on the review podcast, get get those three guys' expert <laughs> opinion and see if that's really a, you know, same thing with Inside Lewin Davis, another one I've seen and I liked. But um Again, that feels a little high on the list to me, but uh, just was, in general, I think it's it's just interesting to see some of these more recent films up here on like alongside you know like Spirited Away or you know these these older things that are I think a lot more usually seen as classics. One thing we can conclude is that movie critics are kind of sad, maybe a little depressed, and like sad and depressing. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think that sad and depressing topics often um, make the best movies. I don't know if they make the best movies. I feel like it's a thing where it's easier to assess a drama as being profound than it is a comedy that's really funny. Like we tend to discard comedies as this thing that uh, that doesn't deserve artistic merit a lot of times right. like so like there's this thing going around twitter about like your seven favorite films i was listing out my seven favorite films and like half of them are comedies which is something that i find really interesting like i don't like if i'm going to really love and favorite a movie it's going to be something i can watch more than once and i feel like a lot of movies on this list are something that i just don't want to watch more than once like i'm crazy mem- enough once the movie is one of my top seven there you go <laughs> oh you know you know what's funny dave i just saw sing street by him uh-huh. uh, john good. carney and it's quite good yeah so he's really i love i like all his movies actually mm-hmm. i liked uh, begin again as well mm-hmm. um but okay, yeah what about uh, what about eternal sunshine of the spotless mind do you think that should be number six yeah i've, I think- s- I've seen that one that's like I think we need to. Uh, oh, the well, movie once isn't in the top hundred, by the way. Um, I don't know. Again, it's like who who who's to say what is actually better? Like which one belongs on, in which order? You know, us. Us. But, we but, podcast but, about it. We got well, Eternal Sunshine is definitely. I mean, I'm. It's definitely one of the best movies of the past twenty five years. Well, I would I, say. I think so too. I think I need to rewatch it. It's been a, it's been quite a long time since I've seen past it. Past one hundred years though. You think it's top? No, not well, hundred years. It's fifty. It's the past sixteen because this right. is only only twenty first century from two thousand to two thousand sixteen. Oh, good God! Did you okay. not understand that? <laughs> oh, did, I, oh, did I you miss that? Have. I guess I did. I guess I did. Still. Uh, still. Mike's I like, what about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? <laughs> Why isn't that on the list? How is Ghostbusters not in this list? I'll tell you what. That, <laughs> that's really embarrassing. We're going to have to restart the whole freaking podcast. No, no, no. I think it's good. I think it shows your fallibility as a human. That makes a lot more sense. I'm like, okay, there's, there's a lot of things I feel like I'm not seeing on here. We're in the top ten. Uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> It is interesting. Uh, I will say this. I feel like you know. I feel like I'm really fulfilling my role in this podcast as the guy who doesn't really know what the hell is going on. <laughs> I will say this about the list. I'm surprised. I think it's interesting that Charlie Kaufman is one of the most critically beloved writers and filmmakers of all time, and he's a guy that none of his movies ever make money, which I think is interesting. That he has two movies that are considered some of the most artistically uh, important films of the last 16 years, and uh, I don't think both those movies did very well at the box office. Eternal Sunshine did better, obviously, than uh, Synecdoche did, but uh, I think that's interesting. I think it's fascinating that the Coen brothers like have uh, back-to-back films on here, and I also think it's interesting that a movie like Holy Motors, which is just like this experimental like uh, jerk-off fest, <laughs> like, there's no other way to say it. Like, you can't watch Holy Motors without rolling your eyes. Like, they're, they're, I think that... Pretentious is it, the word. Yeah, it's pretentious. <laughs> It's also fun, but it's also yes, pretentious. It's it's totally pretentious, and it's such a film criticy movie, and that's why Definitely. I think it, it, it's such a stereotype they put it on here. I think that the one thing I want to talk about is this idea of best and favorite, and I think we get those confused very easily as moviegoers. Like people see this list and they don't see like the Avengers on here, and they're like, "But the Avengers is my favorite movie. How could it not be included in this best of list?" And I think that there's a very big difference about a movie that you want to just enjoy watching that you have a great time viewing and a movie that is really important artistically and I think that's something that this list is clearly the best movies quote unquote but not favorite movies or movies that 
you necessarily want to watch over and over again. Some you might, but, you know. Well, I think what they did is they, you know, each of these critics' lists are considered their favorite, right? So it's their 10 favorite movies. And then they use that to compile what the magazine believes to be the best, I guess. They, they figured that's the only way to calculate what's actually the best. The, the, the other question I have is, Mike, have you seen Mulholland Drive? No, and I was going to ask you about that. I know we talked about that when we did uh, Blue Velvet. I know that came up a lot. Um, and I was going to say, do you think do you guys think that's worthy? I need to watch. I need to watch it again. I remember, like, I don't like. I, I tend to not to like really surreal experimental stuff. I will yeah, say Mahalan. I will say Mahalan Drive stuck with me in a way that most movies do not. Same. And there mm. are certain sequences in Mahalan Drive that I think are some of the greatest, most terrifying sequences ever captured on film. So, mm. yeah. there was a sequence about a crazy homeless person in a dumpster that I still have bad dreams about and I saw this movie like 15 years ago so oh, great. Okay. yeah so there yeah, you go uh, I was going to suggest it but maybe uh, maybe we do it another time I've always had this kind of push-pull thing with David Lynch where it's like I you know I really admire and love a lot of things about his movies but then I'm like was it really does this really deserve to be number one I mean I, I mean I Personally, I wouldn't put it as number one, but I mean, I can I can see why it's there because it's one of the most discussed movies of the past fifteen years or so. Yeah, for sure among the you know. And I think uh, in the mood for love, Mike is a movie you would actually really enjoy. I've uh, heard so many good things about it, and I, uh, I've been meaning to see it. But it's kind of like this. It's it's a movie that deals with something that isn't often dealt with, which is this idea of platonic rom like platonic romance, like what's not about like passionate sex but like uh, the connection that people have with one another which is something that often isn't depicted on camera very much Uh, that's something i and i think i've even said that a lot i I appreciate movies when you can have a interesting relationship between a guy and a girl and it's not sexual or it's not a a relationship or a romance or anything like that where you can actually say like you know they respect each other they're you know like because i think everything always becomes like oh well they're gonna end up together and that's gonna be but yeah we i mean we go through life all the time meeting people of the opposite sex and and we do not like you don't sleep with everybody <laughs> and eventually well, well, maybe, maybe you don't that's gonna say speak yourself <laughs> fair enough I, I yeah clearly i'm missing out but but you know what i mean i think it's and i think that's interesting i think we we so we tend to reduce life to just a sexual experience we reduce the other gender to mere, merely a sexual um area and then we wonder why society is so hypersexualized and all this mm-hmm. stuff like when you know we, we we're doing that to ourselves like let's explore the other option you know that that idea of friendship and respect mutual admiration but maybe not necessarily um yeah just let's explore it no one's really exploring it but i guess this movie has which is interesting any, any movies on that top 20 list mike not uh sorry dave uh that you ab- like objectively do not like like do not enjoy watching oh uh because i have a few <laughs> Well, does that mean so by not enjoy watching? Does that mean I think it's a bad movie? Uh, that's a that's a tough question. Not necessarily <laughs> a bad movie, but one that you can't lie to yourself and pretend that you enjoyed experiencing it. Uh, I didn't enjoy the White Ribbon. Me either, man. <laughs> Michael Haneke movies. I, I, I don't found, really enjoy. I found that movie. I found that movie intensely boring. Okay. And I don't know if you found it as intensely boring. Yeah, I I, I don't know about intensely boring. I, I tend to just kind of if if, if I, I guess. I found it uh, boring enough that I didn't really pay attention, so it wasn't that intense. <laughs> I know. Yeah, okay, well, f- fair enough. Maybe you can't be intensely bored. Maybe that's oxymoronic to say. Yeah. Mike, any of the uh, two that you've seen on that list, any that you did not really enjoy or ones that are... Uh... I didn't enjoy Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days, but, but I really a, admired it. I did, too. That was an intense movie. I, I have found that to be a very intense experience. Yeah. There's a dinner I mean, sequence in that movie that's pretty pretty brutal there's a few of them on here that i just i just think it's interesting that they're like i like i mentioned eternal sunshine i i liked it but i thought it was a little to my memory anyway a little too entertaining for me and not filmy (laughs) here we go again here we go oh boy um i i'd like to revisit actually now because i'm curious how it belongs on there or not um me too Uh, children of men same thing i mean i saw that in theaters and i remember there's some really awesome scenes in there but i don't remember being that kind of like life-changing mind-bending kind of movie that you would put it at 13 does it have to be that doesn't a movie doesn't have to be life-changing and mind-bending it just has to like do its job exceptionally well you know yeah but right but i don't think i mean i don't know for number 13 i'm sure there's ones i mean memento is something i would put way up much Memento made the list. It's, yeah, uh, it's on there. It's, I, it's down. I mean, it's down at twenty-five. So you're so so. Which would be your number one out of this twenty-five? Memento. Oh God, I don't know. I oh, don't twenty. Know. I'd, I'd have to. I'd say Memento is up there, and I think that's something that, like, again, not one of my favorite movies, but something that I really respect, and I think it's it's done really well. Like to tell a film backwards, I'm sure other people have done it, but 
I, I would, think he uh, does a particularly good job of it. I put Memento in that top five for sure. Yeah. Hey. Top 25. Of this 25, uh, I put probably Boyhood up there in, the t- in either top, you know, top, or I put one of the Coen Brothers movies and probably. Damn it, in- there it is again. Social Network. It was okay. It was okay. Wait a Everybody minute. Social Network was, isn't in the top 25. It's uh, 27. 27. Oh, yeah. It's great. I, that would be in my top 10, at least. I've got to rewatch that um, one, too. Melancholy is on there, which I... I Liked was, yeah. despite it, like I shouldn't like it, but something about it was seemed very different. It was weird. It was really weird, but very uh, evocative. I don't know. And I, Ivan, I think we saw it for your bachelor party, and I think we came out. Well, of that the was the and, um, the worst choice for a bachelor party right, movie it, ever. It definitely but, was. Like um, we, there, there was, it was, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was between. I'm sorry, Melancholia. Yeah. Yeah. On your bachelor party. It was between that movie. <laughs> And uh, Harold and Kumar uh, save Christmas in 3D. And let me tell you, we chose the wrong movie yeah. for my bachelor party. I don't know. Who, I don't know who. That's picked a it. hard choice. That's that's. There's a no. That's a no-win situation. Well, they're like, oh, he likes movies, so we'll take him to this really arty movie <laughs> yeah. about depression. Well, uh, as a quick aside, but I mean, there's things like like you have. Uh, go ahead, Dave. Sorry, you're. you're, you're quick I, I'm going to try to make it really quick. When yeah. I was when I was a kid, I was I was in this. Uh, youth group at the synagogue and sometimes they went to movies and i remember we we went out we had movie night and i think the two movies playing were a, a spoof of lethal weapon called loaded weapon one i think i think that's what was playing i'm not sure and the other one was the jeff bridges peter weir movie uh called fearless about a man who survives a plane wreck and it was critically acclaimed that's one where they eat it. everyone wanted to go see loaded weapon one and i was the only one who wanted to go see fearless so i said fuck it i'm just going to see fearless <laughs> Um, Loaded Weapon One is actually a movie. There you go. Point being, I understand uh, you going to see the uh, the good movie over the popular movie. You're so, you were even as a ten year old, you were pretentious. Even as a sixteen year old. Oh, <laughs> so go. by the way, guys, I'm I'm looking at this now. Requiem for a Dream is number one hundred. Come yeah. on, really? I've you never don't... seen it, but shouldn't that be higher? And by the way, also there's wait three. Wait, wait, what? No, 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 no. If you, you haven't seen that. it, you no, can't play no, that no, game. No. Yeah, that doesn't no, work no, no. that way. But I, for the amount of I've heard about it. Oh my god! Everyone loves that movie. I'm surprised. But hang on, there's three number one hundred, so it's actually the first, the top one hundred three. I just, what is that? I, I just because realized of, that because of the math of how maybe there's a tie and I don't know. No. This is a, this is a pretty good list. now that I'm looking at it, they they of course they, it's a good list. They've hit pretty much everything I'd ask them to hit. Assassination of Jesse James should be up higher, oh. much higher. If you're looking, if you're looking for let's say one good movie a week to watch for the next. You know, hundred year. weeks, hundred and three uh, weeks. Next yeah. two, two I mean, years. No, I'm saying that you could find at least a year's worth of good movies on this list. Oh yeah, something that you'll be that that you know you'll find at least fifty two movies that you'll enjoy. Anyway, we've we've digressed too much. Anyway, this uh, <laughs> yeah. if you want to check out this list, uh, check it out. Uh, let us know what you guys think check about it. Out, it. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. So uh, it's time to talk about the movie of the week, uh, <laughs> the mm. one that Dave picked. We're going to talk about James Cameron's Aliens. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan. All right, people, on the ready line. Are you me? Yeah! Are you me? Nothing back here. Look, I'm telling you, there's something moving in. It ain't us. Get them out of there. So, Aliens is a film that came good, out. Good, good trailer. Yeah, it's a great trailer. Aliens is a film that came out in 1986, as I said, directed by James Cameron. It is a sequel to uh, Alien, which was directed by Ridley Scott. Um, it's one Skidley of the Skidley Rot. Skidley Rot. <laughs> it's one of the most. Nice. It's one of the uh, most famous sequels of all time. Uh, and Aliens as a, as a franchise is really fascinating because it's one of the few franchises where the director totally reshapes how the franchise 
exists tonally each time uh, mm-hmm. because all the movies are so different. And the only other modern example I can I feel like does this a lot is Mission Impossible because those movies tend to have you know different directors, but at the same time, the Mission Impossible series still is a a, sp- a fun spy action movie, uh, so it doesn't veer as far as the Aliens franchise does. Aliens One or a- Alien Alien just Alien, excuse me, just one is uh, is a haunted house movie basically. Uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a movie that's all about it defies genre. It's a movie. Eh, at the at the at the end of the day, that that's like a, that's a haunted house movie, right? It's a, yeah, a single guess, creature, so. and you know you don't know you where be it is. Reductionist about it, sure. Well, I'm going to be reductionist about the entire sure. Alien series. Aliens, the James Cameron film, the one we're going to talk about now, is a war movie. It's a it's a Vietnam War movie that happens to be set in space, um, and it's a big budget war movie. And then Aliens Three, directed by Fincher, is almost like a. Uh, I, I can't take credit for this because I was reading a lot about Aliens Three recently, but uh, it's a parable. It's like a it's like a crime thriller. It's like a parable for the AIDS epidemic. Uh, I thought it was uh, about well maybe. I mean, I, I thought I always thought it was about a pro. It was a pro uh, choice movie. It's definitely a film that has. It sucks. It doesn't exist as far as I'm concerned. Well, <laughs> I've, three. I've actually never seen it, uh, but it uh it it's a movie that has a very strong allegorical message mm-hmm. so each of the movies kind of takes on its own uh place in that spectrum so aliens in, in this film it, it picks up uh, 50 how many years 57 57 years, years later yeah 57 years after the first alien mm-hmm. uh our our hero ripley, ripley. Uh, has was in cryo sleep i guess floating mm-hmm. through space a spaceship has picked her up and they don't quite believe her story and an outpost has been uh constructed on the moon where they discovered the original alien egg in the first film and they uh basically at this big company wants to her to go back and figure out what happened to the colony that has since lost contact with the uh the company and uh she reluctantly agrees to go on along so that is the basic yeah (laughs) i mean come on lady haven't you seen a movie um but yeah, so this is a big sci-fi movie. It is big budget. It's an action film. It wasn't uh, that big budget actually? Uh, Relatively how, low budget. What is the budget on it? Do you uh, know? I, I, I can we can look it up, but I'm pretty sure that that the budget for Aliens was actually fairly low. Uh, comparatively, uh, for a movie for a movie of its time, yeah. There you go. Um, I'll, I'll look it up in one second while Dave is talking. But uh, it is currently rated number sixty-five on the top two hundred and fifty in IMDb. Uh, it's a beloved 18, fi- 18 million dollars. Oh, that's so cheap. Yep. Holy crap. That's amazing, actually. Um, well, wow, I, I have even more respect for it now. Great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What did you think of what do you, you chose this, Dave? You obviously like it. Mm-hmm. Why? And uh, what are your thoughts on revisiting it now? Okay. Well, the why is that it's the 30th anniversary this summer of the release of Aliens. And uh, I guess I felt like uh, kicking the, the first one in the nuts a little bit because that's the one that always gets praised as like the masterpiece. And Aliens is like, okay, it's a great science fiction action movie. But is it, you know, does it compare to the first one? And, you know, I think it's a silly argument to make. I think that uh, Alien is a masterpiece of its kind. And I would argue that aliens is a masterpiece of its kind, which is a uh, uh, science fiction action adventure movie uh, that just happens to have elements of horror in it. Um, you know, alien is a very different movie. As you said, it's a haunted house movie. And this movie is a, is, is almost like a Vietnam movie in space, which makes perfect sense because the eighties were full of, of uh, movies that were, you know, looking back on the Vietnam, the sixties and seventies of the Vietnam era. And this movie is uh, a war movie through and through. Right. Uh, but I think at its core, the, the, the thing that's always re- resonated uh, with me um, is the, the mother-daughter relationship in this movie um, and just the overall craftsmanship of the storytelling. I mean, I think that's one thing that James Cameron is, excels at. He, he's really great at, at uh, finding, you know, polishing a story until he, it's, it's, it's almost impossible not to be entertained by, by a James Cameron movie. I can't think of a single movie that he's done where I've, I haven't, you know, even, you know, the ones that kind of get shit on now a little bit, like Avatar and Titanic. I mean, I could still watch those movies and be highly entertained by any, almost any James Cameron movie. Uh, I think his best movies, though, are ones that are, that are typically, uh, they, they critique and embrace the military 
you know, the military and war and combat, you know, he, his, his movies like to pretend that they're kind of um, against that or they're anti-war, but it's hard to make an anti-war movie because you have to be able to enjoy the movie to watch it. So Aliens is like, yeah, uh, you know, so we're going to send in a bunch of Marines to try to kill it, kill this, uh, to exterminate this threat. Um, but, um, you know, they're all going to get killed off. Violence doesn't solve everything. You know, violence begets more violence and... Uh, and that's that. But um, I think the thing that that uh, James Cameron's able to do is to really get at you know the core relationships of this movie about you know it, a lot of these Marines are killed off you know halfway through the movie, and you have this you know in a typical uh, horror movie situation, you have a bunch of people that are kind of banded together in a in a space trying to fend off some kind of evil, and um, you know that's how they all bond. And and I think that that you know, the characters are fairly strong in this movie I mean not there's definitely I would never argue against anybody's opinion and you know you could say that that the uh, actress who plays uh, Newt doesn't give the strongest performance you could say that a lot of the, the dialogue is cheesy um, but I think there's that the good elements in this movie far outweigh any any negatives I think the storytelling is very strong and I think the thing that makes this movie universal is um, the idea of going back to face your fears I mean I it must have been a really difficult idea. It must have been a really difficult, um, you know, it must have been really difficult for James Cameron to think of, or for the studio or the producers, whoever, what are we going to do differently this time? You know, how are we going to make this appealing to people? When, what are we, how, why are they coming back to see this movie? And, you know, you don't want to just tell the same story over again. Um, so the idea that she willingly, that, that Sigourney Weaver's character willingly goes back to try to do something um, you know, to solve an intimate problem, of, you know, to solve her own problem of getting over these this uh, nightmare she's had. Um, and I feel like I'm rambling on. Uh, in confirmed, yeah, confirmed. Sorry, <laughs> 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 affirmative. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I think this movie's great, and you know, it it, it doesn't it's, it doesn't have the same effect on me as it did when I was when I first you know watched it when I was uh, ten or whatever it was. But, you know, it holds up pretty well. <laughs> Mike, um, I, 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 um, I know you have a very strong opinion about aliens mm. and alien. Um, oh and I guess I'm trying to wonder, I'm wondering in rewatching this uh, this time around, have you, do you have a more appreciation for it now? Because I know you don't like it, right? Oh. Yeah, so Dave, I'm going to come in here and, and basically say the exact opposite of everything. All the points you make, I want to address. Oh. I, I want to kick aliens in the nuts, okay? Oh. You kicked alien in the nuts. I'm no, I love, aliens in the nuts. I love alien. <laughs> okay, well. But I kicked it in its nuts. I wish I could say the same for aliens. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> no, okay, I, I, I'm i being a little strong on it. It, it, it. There are things about it that are good, and I agree with you. I think there's some stuff that's really pretty neat, um, especially when you consider that alien is about one alien, right? And we really, I'm pretty sure it's only one. It's been a while since I've seen it, but. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just the one. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So it's it's le- it's not action at all. It's psychological thriller. Um, but for me, that's my kind of movie. The more like, you know, where you can actually, the, the, the action is a little bit like in bursts, right? But when it hits, it's so much more visceral and real and intense and just, it gets in your head more. Whereas aliens is like, yeah, let's go watch some things blow up and watch people get wasted and (laughs) and just watch a whole bunch of really creepy looking aliens. Right. Um, so I, 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 it's really hard for me to watch this movie and know that it's in the same family as alien, because I loved alien. When I watched it, I was like, wow, this is like something different. This is like, like unique. And then I watched this one, and I, we, we did a, a marathon night. This is a number of years ago. We did, like, Alien and then Aliens. And I was watching Aliens, and I was like, what the hell happened? Like, what <laughs> what happened? Who, who, who did this? Hmm. And um, I actually saw just, it in the reverse order myself. I saw this one first and then Alien. Yes, that's interesting. And I think, like, if, if maybe I hadn't seen the other one first, maybe I'd like this a little bit more, right? But that aside, there's still issues that one of the biggest problems I have is Newt because she's such a bad actress to the point where like it makes me like angry and Mm. I care less about the character and if you don't love that character that's a major linchpin of the whole movie and you gotta like her because you gotta want her to survive you gotta want Sigourney Weaver to have some kind of like you know this motherhood role here and I just I didn't buy any of it because she was just so abysmal like her face (laughs) never changes when she screams that high-pitched shrill one-note scream 
her face is completely static. When she's yelling, <laughs> Ripley, Ripley, help! It's the exact same face. James when Cameron's she, not that great with child actors, I'll give you that. No, and it's like, why, why would you, did you not even audition her? Did you just like, yeah, she's cute, bring her in, let's just do this thing. Like, I, like what? I don't think she, I mean, it's funny, um, I went in thinking, because like, it is common perception that Newt sucks, but in rewatching, I didn't think she was that bad. Uh, maybe I'm See, just I, I went into it not, not remembering her being that bad, so maybe <laughs> if I had prepared myself, maybe it wouldn't have been as bad. I don't know. I remember yeah. her being relatively cute, and I know they, they kill her off within like the first 15 minutes of this third movie. Oh, God, that's that's why I hate that movie so much, because anyone who had a lot in, uh, emotionally invested in this movie and saw Alien 3, where they killed off like everyone except for Sigourney Weaver in the first, like, in the opening credits... And they I do mean, it so offhandedly, right? Like, it's just like, oh, yep, boom, well, they, they're all they, dead. Well, they die off screen. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too much into Aliens 3, but you could argue that's necessary for Ripley as a character. No. Like, she can't... So the They should have just ended it with this with Aliens. It shouldn't be a franchise. It should have just been Alien and Aliens, and that, and that was enough, really. Well, Aliens, at the end of Aliens, she has basically constructed a surrogate family. There's a father figure. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a husband figure in Hicks. The story's there, over. Just like, there is a daughter figure that, you know, she's got this new family. And that's a very James Cameron-y thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that kind of goes against... Did he write this? Uh, he, he has story credit on it. Yeah, okay. Um, but, like... I mean, there, I think you could make the argument that it, Ripley can't work as a character if she has a family, and then the movies become about her protecting... Uh, the, the movies don't become about Ripley, they become about the family, and that undermines this whole idea of a female protagonist that's strong and is... I don't know. There, there is a way you can make that argument, I guess. Okay, so, uh, Mike, just to go back to Mike for a second. Yeah. You don't like Newt. Got that. So you tell him... So that plus the things blowing up, I mean, that's what's kind of... It's just... Made, it, that's what makes thing- us... It just feel okay. So here's I don't have a problem with things blowing up. Um, I think if you can, in fact, I think it's pretty cool. Explosions <laughs> are pretty cool, right? But it it has to be paired with intelligent, I, I think, believable performances, like non cartoon performances. Uh, game over, man. Game over. Yeah, but that's like that's. <laughs> I don't know. Even with I've always, just, I've, always loved, I've always loved I've always loved because like and, come on, you go from oh god, you go from like Ian Holm as the freaking evil synthetic in the first movie, and you go to like Ernie Hudson, and you're come on, Ernie, like, Hudson. Ernie Hudson. There's no Ernie Hudson in this movie. No, er, Ernie, what, what the hell is his last his first name? Hudson. Oh, Hudson. Right. Hudson. Uh, Hudson. Whatever the hell his first name is. Yeah, well, he should be Ernie. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, you're, you're talking about Bill Paxton. Right, character. Bill Paxton's right, right, right. Hudson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you were Hudson. talking about... Uh, see, okay, so my thoughts on Aliens is I, I'm, I'm on Dave's camp. I really like this movie. I think it's really good. Okay, um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before, before <laughs> I hang on, before I, I get pushed in the, in the I hate the movie, I want to talk about what I do like about it. I think what's really awesome is that you have a really cool mythology set up, and I think the design of the Aliens... Um, HR HG Geiger HR Geiger HR Geiger HR Geiger who has is, has some of the most terrifying and disturbing artwork I've ever seen is put to like amazing use with these things because they are so creepy, and I think they set up an amazing mythology right just like I think the same thing that happens with Terminator Terminator is a really good mythology, so they can build more movies around it. they want exploring more of it because we don't really get to see much of it right. Um, in this movie, we get to see the queen. We get to see these things traveling in packs, like you know how they blend in with the scenery, what they do with their victims. Some of them they cocoon and use to incubate their young. There's so much that's really interesting and really you know it, cool that I think is fun to explore and, and learn more about. Um, so I like that stuff too. I think that's pretty cool. I think like just some of the the visuals of the you know the, the queen when she's dropping the eggs. She's got that big sack of like oozing. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's oh, it's great. It's very like, there's a lot of stuff that they do that is really kind of like, wow, that's a great, that's a great prop. It's a great character. It's you know very well done. Um, I, I mean, and there's Chekhov's power loader, which is really important. Oh right. yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, here's what I really d- dig about Aliens, and I think it's kind of what you're getting at, Mike. Is I just love this idea of like I like I like industrial sci-fi aesthetic, especially like this '80s version of what we thought the future was going to be. And this movie really captures that kind of feeling. And it's in rewatching it, I've noticed how it's nostalgic, yes, but it also still kind of holds up. Like it doesn't look that dated in the sense that as long as you don't uh you you accept the fact that the future is just a different interpretation of what actually is the future Mm -hmm. so i think that that 
it's just really cool. I love I love the look of the movie. Yeah, um, and I think it's it's a nice departure from I think we're used to like shiny future where everything is clear and, and iPhoney. But I like when you can same thing with with Alien. It does a very interesting version of the future where you know it's kind of grungy and dirty and, and nasty. Well, that's more of a new aesthetic, I would say, where like every, a lot of uh, HUD interfaces and shiny what you're describing, like the Marvel movies and stuff. I think. Well, basically, but a lot movie- of science fiction kind of comes, you know, has been inspired by Star Wars and Alien. And has that kind of, you know, everything looks lived in and worn, you know. Right, right, right. What I'm saying is that, like, I'm used to, like, just modern movies now, a lot of the aesthetic for the future is very clean glass, you know. And it's nice Mm -hmm. to kind of go back to a, you know, the dystopian future. Mm -hmm. Um, Not even dystopian future, but just, like, you know, more realistic, like, yeah, it's a little dirty. Yeah, it's industrial. Like, what does industrial future look like? You know, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's it's a blue collar future. It's a blue (laughs) collar future. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I dig this movie because I think I, I genuinely enjoy the characters. Uh, I here's the here's the reasons character wise I like it. I think that Hicks is a really good counterpoint to Ripley. I think mm-hmm. their relationship feels genuinely touching, mm-hmm. and they do it in a way where he is still not the main character, and they still let Ripley be the badass. Like yeah. they don't ever let the man take over, which mm-hmm. I think is important. Um, right. I love Paul Reiser as the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. He's good. Mm-hmm. And the reason I like him is because he's so, he's such a sympathetic, interesting villain. Like, and very charismatic too. Like, like in the beginning when he's talking to her at the bedside, you're like, yeah, I like he, this guy. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's you're like, oh, you're right. He, he does care about her. And he's, he's trying to understand the situation from the best possible angle. He's never painted as pure evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, this is a problem that Cameron actually has in a lot of his movies where the bad guy is almost too bad. And in this movie, Burke is kind of, he's like the, he's like the, uh, the white collar middle manager evil dude. And I, right. I, I love that about It's him. a corporate evil. It's like, yeah, corporate is just, is the bad guys. And I, I don't know. I, I, I think he's really, really nice. And then I think he just flips the switch and now he's like, I'm going to lock everybody out and get devoured by an alien. Like, yeah. I, I still uh, think, a little bit of a jump there. I still find that, that turn interesting. And I, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie it's a panic before, response. I don't think it's necessarily that confusing. Like, I don't think it's that, I don't think it's that predictable, actually. Like, I think that if you, the first time you're watching this, you're probably a bit surprised that he ends up being the villain or he has nefarious purposes. Right. I, I think, well, actually, no, now that I think about it, he is kind of his back is to a wall. They're, they're talking about potentially killing him, so maybe right. he thinks like this is only... But here's the thing. That scene where, where she's talking about his whole plan and what he's planning on doing, how does she know all that stuff? Like, she's just saying, oh, he's going to do this, and then he's going to do that. He's gonna, she has no proof of that. All she knows is well, that he, he says something... That. <laughs> he says that she has no proof of that. Uh, right. Right. It's not, but it's like it's not, but it's like it's like he's kind of like ha ha well, you, you she, have no proof versus like what are you talking about where are you getting she just this from deduced you know I mean she just she just uh, she's a, kind of a smart lady you know <laughs> she's a scientist in space and, and I mean everybody is could... like okay yeah yeah I'm gonna kill this guy like well you're gonna you're gonna put a gun to some dude's head because she well just I mean if you... I mean do they it's not even like you see it on a on a on a camera where you see him actually letting these things go in the lab like there's there no evidence is... all of a sudden people I are... was wondering about that too but I think that she doesn't she's distrusting of him the whole time because it keeps on kind of escalating where he like says that they're not going to do something and they end up doing something, you know, like, so I, I, I think that there probably are enough pieces and she, he says flat out, she doesn't have any evidence as soon as she accuses him. So, yeah, but it's not like everybody else is kind of sitting around skeptical and they're like, yeah, I mean, maybe, but we don't know. Everyone's like, yeah, let's murder this guy. Oh, you son of a bitch. Grease him. <laughs> like, whoa. Oh, well, I, there are a lot of logical fallacy or flaws in the movie if you really want to get nitpicky. Like, well, why, yes, why but, I mean, why does the aliens even have a queen that lays eggs, right? Like, yeah, who knows? Because <laughs> Well, something's got to no, lay No, no, but like the, 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 face, um, the face huggers, Incubate inside human hosts, yes, correct? But where do the where do the face huggers come from? Um, the eggs. Come from the eggs. Where do the eggs come eggs. from? <laughs> the face huggers come out of the right. It's just an extra step of how. The well, how did the queen get? How did the queen to... get there to begin with? Aha! She hatches. Well, she. Well, my guess. I was actually thinking about this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> actually, my guess who is that cares? the face hugger comes out of the egg, right? And there's a special kind where, whatever, whenever the chest buster comes out, one of them will be female, just like in a beehive, right? Like it's the same thing there. You have a you one of them becomes the queen and then probably kills the old one and then that new queen rises to power and continues thing but i imagine there's like super rare they only come out like every so often or maybe there's a different process to make a queen see that's where you get into trouble with storytelling is trying to actually answer too many questions and that's why something like prometheus was you know was trying to uh tell us what the origin of the alien no it wasn't it was saying what if there's a thousand other things happening too Uh, yeah whatever yeah you don't want to know too much Right. Well, that, I mean, well, 
yes, you don't want to know too much because then you get a movie like Prometheus. Right. So I, I think that it's pretty fascinating. The more you dig into the aliens mythology, I think the less it holds up. And that's why I think that when you get to aliens three, that's diminishing returns. And then there's alien resurrection, which I have not seen. Um, Better than alien three. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. And then uh, Prometheus is a movie that I think is very flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. I think the internet uh, would agree with fr- that. It's, fr- it's frustrating because it's directed by Ridley Scott. He, we all have, you no, know, it was written by, uh, he, what's his damn Lindelof, wasn't it? The Lost Guy? That yeah, but it was, matter. it was directed, well, Ridley Scott is a guy that can make a good movie if he's right. given a good script, but he can't, he's not a filmmaker that has the vision to turn a mediocre script into a good movie. I don't think uh, the script, so the problem I have with that script is that I think it does a lot of really, it poses, and this is the same problem with Lost, I think it's Damon Lindelof's problem. Um, he knows how to ask questions of the audience very well, where you are interested in the answer, but then the answers you get are always like, eh, right. or yeah. they, they don't tie things well. It's like he never really thinks about the answer and just rolls with it instead of actually sitting down and thinking, does this check out and all that stuff? Yeah, if, yeah, if you're going to be the kind of, yeah, it's it's better to set something up and not answer it. Uh, Good to answer it with to, to, answer. Yeah. to you know. that's that's the tricky part is how you handle the answering of the questions I would say you you know because once you get to that into uh, coming up with the why and and how everything started and that kind of stuff then that's where things start to become a little less interesting because it's it's leaving up uh, leaving less to our imagination and you know knowing too much of the aliens backstories I mean it's just but I don't know. Uh, I thought know, they did it okay in this movie. I think they, they give you enough information, and I think the questions they answer are the ones that are important. The ones that aren't. Uh, I, I was never really like, hey, where the hell did the queen come from? Let me ask you guys this. Did you watch the uh, director's cut of this movie or the uh, the original theatrical cut? I want to say I watched the director's cut. How do I know? So you, you know because in the opening, um, we, you find out that Ripley has returned and her daughter has passed away. That's the director's cut. That's the one you oh, saw. Oh, yes. I didn't see that one. No. Okay. All right. So we watched different versions. I think I think I've seen the original enough times and the director's cut enough times to know the differences between the two. But that's the major difference, I think, is the fact that uh, in the theatrical cut, you you know she's been out in space for fifty seven years, and you know the movie's about motherhood because it's clearly you know she calls him you know she rescues this kid and she and the kid calls her mommy at the end. But you know you could argue that it adds a little depth to to the story. Uh, you know the scene where in the beginning you find out. You know, she's asking about her daughter, and obviously her daughter's going to be much older. You find out her daughter has passed away. You know, she's, she died from cancer a few years before she had woken up from, you know, in the hypersleep. But at the same time, it's like, why not, you know, do we really need to know that information? I don't know. You know, it's... I see. That's the kind of information I like knowing. I think that's an interesting scene, and I think it puts a lot of... Now, all of a sudden, she has much more reason to go out back out in space, because her daughter's dead. She has nothing left. Why would you not go out and try to... I think well, that's she, important stuff. I would well, like to see that in the movie. I'd well, see they it. answer that question. They they do because they say. I mean, they they, they show her with uh, having the nightmares and the, the kind of it's kind of a never ending cycle for her. So yeah, it's like, but well, I think I think that it's therapy adds, for her. <laughs> right. Sure. 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 And I agree. But I, I don't. I, I think that kind of a, a character, uh, uh, a bit of the character development there of like your daughter just passed away. I think helps. And I think I would rather spend that time than. Like some of the other stuff, I feel like just maybe is like more of a waste of time. Well, like, going okay, back like, there, she doesn't know that a little girl is is you know just no, happens I know, to be. But it's yeah. just it, it puts more of an emphasis on the fact of like she has nothing left. Like whatever she was hurrying to get home to is now taken from her. And on top right. of everything else, like well, what else do I have left? Well, I don't. I I just think it's an added level, added layer that that's the kind of stuff I like seeing in movies where they go through and they just add extra stuff on a character that makes them a little bit more developed. I, and, and I I think action movies tend to not do that. Well, there you go. Maybe you should watch the director's I should have. cut. Maybe you'll Maybe enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> they don't cut any of Newt's scenes, unfortunately, for you. <laughs> <laughs> they only add stuff in. But here's a question. Yeah. Like, so here's a thing that I felt like maybe was we didn't need, right? Um, the exploding uh, terraformer. Do we really need that thing to be exploding? Isn't there enough urgency that they have to get out of the planet and away from these things to add this extra level of unneeded stress of like, oh, it's going to blow up. on t- There's all these aliens. Everybody just died. They're coming for you. You're alone. You're unarmed. Oh, and also this thing's going to blow up if you don't get off. In well, minutes. it's a callback to the first movie where the ship was going to self-destruct. You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, interesting, you know, callbacks to the first alien. Yeah. But- where, you know, there's a, there's a there's a ticking clock and, you know, Sigourney Weaver has to escape before the thing she's on blows up, you know. But and then, of course, but it, it, correct me if the I'm aliens wrong, on the ship, just like in the first to one, make it so that she can kill it. Like she, uh, she start, doesn't she do that? Yeah, so, yeah, right. So that's right. different. That's like a a brilliant plan. That okay, well, this is what it, the penalty of doing that plan. 
versus just being like, oh yeah, this is also a thing that's in there, and you got to worry about you know another. It's just the I don't know. Level. It worked. It, it worked for me, especially the first time. I mean, I can I can think of very few movies that had, you know, as as, as I guess I watched this when I was younger, but I, I remember this movie being a very very suspenseful experience. You know, like like uh, you know sweating, like like <laughs> like not able to turn away watching this movie. You know, really thinking that they were doomed. I mean, I guess this movie was one of the more profound experiences. Uh, you know, for me as a kid, just because. Uh, I don't know. I mean, somehow I got so invested in the in, in this story and these characters when first watching it that uh, my experience had really stuck with me. It was a really powerful experience. I mean, so including is, the thing, including the blowing up of the, the 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 whole you know whatever station. You know that really added to the uh, to the suspense. I mean, you know the way they count down one minute until minimum safe distance. <laughs> you know that plus the alien and everything seems like it's all. You know, it's it's a very all is lost situation. Yeah, I feel like and, you it's know, distracting. I would. I I think the aliens are are terrifying and nightmarish enough that you don't need an extra level of. It's, it's distracting, like here versus just it being about surviving these things and getting away from uh, them when you feel visually. Like it's, I think you know the idea of her being in like it's almost like a vision of her in hell with these demons chasing her. I mean, it's just, you know, it just adds to the visual experience of the movie. You can make that visual in other, other ways. You can have the place getting, you know, they have flamethrowers. They could have set the whole place on fire. There's other ways okay. to do that, you know? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, ja- right. James Cameron, I mean, I, I agree with Dave in the sense that I don't think James Cameron makes bad movies. Like, I think that he's just a really good filmmaker, but he's, a, he, okay, James Cameron is what Michael Bay is a smart version of Michael Bay. Yeah. Michael because Bay all with, James, heart, with a soul. <laughs> because all James Cameron's movies are mainstream films, I would argue. I think they're meant to entertain. I think they're entertaining pop cinema that is meant to entertain a wide audience, I would yeah. argue. And they, and even even his sci-fi movie, like Terminator 2 is a very like heavy sci-fi concept, but that's an action movie, like mm-hmm. a straight-up action movie that anybody could probably enjoy and -hmm. i think that that's what makes james cameron great is that he takes movies that could easily have veered off and become really dumb and somehow makes them resonant enough where they don't quite veer off completely like this is a movie about badass marines that say a lot of dumb things and that's kind of cheesy yes but at the end of the day i just find his movies very entertaining Mm -hmm. um and they're always long and i still find them entertaining like the (laughs) the abyss is a movie i find very entertaining and the movie's like what three hours long so He's a guy that I just really enjoy uh, watching him construct a mainstream story. He's the opposite of what we were talking about, of Holy Motors being like an eye roll, like a big mm. arty farty eye roll. James Cameron isn't arty farty. He's no. just, he would, I think that James Cameron would watch a movie that's really pretentious and he would roll his eyes and be like, no, this is boring. I want to show you guys straight up. You know, I'm going to have good characters. There's going to be a solid story. Um, I may not be the most nuanced filmmaker and I may not be the most. Um, artful filmmaker but I still know how to make a movie that's damn entertaining and I think that's what Aliens is and I think that you could argue that Alien is a more important movie it's a more cinematic movie mm. but I I feel like Aliens does this thing where it's like hey I just wanted to I want to have a good time at the movies like this mm. is why I go to the movies and right. Aliens is a and James Cameron's oeuvre I'd say the movie itself is, is the star of Alien and I would say that you know Sigourney Weaver far and away is the star of this movie you know, this is uh, definitely a character piece where the, the first one, you remember the characters, but you really, you remember like the, the uh, you know, uh, it's it's more of an experience where this is more of like a, you know, this, this movie is, you know, can you, re- you really, I guess, if you, you know, like, I guess you, you, the characters in Alien are entertaining and funny, but you know, that, that movie has a very different, uh, you know, uh, tone to the acting right it's kind of a more naturalistic mumbly quiet kind of acting you know there's their conversations everything's very kind of very hushed uh and this movie is like the opposite where everything's you know everything's very loud you know there's very there are very few quiet moments in this movie you know maybe the scene where Sigourney Weaver's putting uh Newt to bed you know say sleep here I'm gonna protect you uh yeah but other than that I mean this, this is a very loud movie so uh I guess if you don't like that kind of thing, then you're probably not going to like Aliens. But you're—I mean, I, I think—I mean, for me, I was like, I enjoy all the characters and almost all the characters in this movie. I mean, you know, there's there's this podcast called um, "I Was There Too" uh, on the Earwolf Network, and the uh, the host of that show, um, 
um, Matt Gorley, I think is his name, has had a bunch of the supporting uh, cast of Aliens on his podcast just to talk about what it was like uh, to work on Aliens, you know. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, for people that watched this movie years ago, I think all these, even the minor characters are, are memorable just for cheesy lines of dialogue just for the ways they were killed off or in the pipe you know, and five by five right yeah it's you know like I've, <laughs> I, I always love Bill Paxton's kind of over the top quality and uh, he has to you know it, there's a little bit of a character arc there where he's you know headstrong got dick swinging kind of marine and then he's uh, you know full of himself and then he's taken down a few notches and, and then has, he, to, has and, to actually work. You know. And then he is faced with one aspect of combat and immediately yeah. <laughs> yeah. reveals himself to right, be yeah. the weakest yeah, one. I don't know. See, he irritates me. I think some of the other ones are still big. Like you got, what's her name? Uh, Jean- Vasquez? Vasquez. Vasquez. Yeah. yeah, Vasquez is cool. You know, I feel like she's like, that's someone that's a little bit more real, right? And I think, what's the dude from Shawshank, uh, the blonde guy? Uh... Dude from Shawshank. Oh, you're right. I think he might have been the uh, rapist in Shawshank. He's one of the, he's the sisters, I, I think. Oh, you're uh, right. Yeah, I don't know is. if it was the same guy, but yeah, oh, it's that. Yeah, it was definitely the same dude. Huh. All right. Um, but um, I, well, I mean, th- I think their performances are better than than Paxton's uh, Game Over. Game Over, man. Game especially, Over. Especially, I mean, I think my favorite character in the whole movie is, uh, is Bishop. I think Bishop's oh, really Bishop's awesome. awesome. He's great. Bishop's yeah, again, great. Um, and especially, especially with the con- the the context of knowing that the last synthetic. Um, or artificial person, I think is what he prefers to be called. Yeah, the last one was like the bad guy, right? So you're and you're kind of watching him the whole time, like man, it's something about this dude. He's running around with a knife. <laughs> like, what's his deal? He's, yeah. he's playing with the aliens <laughs> in the lab. Is he? A ba- he's a bad guy, isn't he? Yeah. And then when he goes to do the solo mission, you're like, oh, he's gonna sabotage everything, and then he doesn't. And then he's like, oh, the ship's not here. Damn it, there he. Oh no, the whole time he's a good guy. Yeah. The um, um the thing that's interesting about. I mean, again, with plot holes in this universe, this idea of synthetic humans kind of ruins those things in a way. Because if you have the ability to create robots that can do everything that humans can, why even colonize this weird planet? Just send robots to go do it. Do you know right? how expensive it is to make one of these things? Hey, I'll just say one of the, one of these people was ripped in half by the alien and the other one wasn't. So clearly they can't do everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, both, yeah. Bo- both, yeah. both of them were. Uh, That's really. true. Uh, That's true. I mean, I, I still think the ending, you know, where it has been hiding out in the ship the whole time and Bishop is ripped in half, I think that is, fr- I, I, I can imagine, I wish I could have had that moment in theaters because I imagine that being super awesome. Like, right. Yeah. Well, you think, I, I thought, I'm like, holy crap, he was incubating a, a, an alien the whole time. Holy, oh no. Oh no, the queen's still here. Okay. <laughs> of course, I am, I am. Yeah. wondering and then you have you know, a, and then you have a, where on the ship was she hiding considering we see the thing flying around and, and she ain't on it i don't know it's... It, well she was hiding in the landing gear um uh, but yeah. the uh the thing that also is amazing about that is i mean they set up the whole power loader thing pretty blatantly mm-hmm. so you feel like yeah. you kind of know it's coming back but it's still super awesome that in 1986 they were able to pull off basically a mech fighting an alien like mm-hmm. and they they actually made it like they make it it works like yeah. i don't i don't know if that's Puppets. pre-programmed or if she's controlling it but i i thought it would that was like yeah i think it's all actually puppetry. exists and it works yeah okay. i think it's all okay. puppetry if i'm yeah. not mistaken but it, it it looks so cool it looks He's, good yeah the old, my only issue with it is just for it to fight a super fast alien it's gotta be a little faster and by the end i'm like I don't buy that. No, they can... don't make the aliens that fast in this movie. That's the thing is that they're yeah, not. They do? Are you kidding me? Well, the they... queen is not super. Yeah, fast, the queen. Though. At least the queen. Well, her her right. stabbing tail is pretty damn fast. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess. So, I mean, just really quickly, the effects in this movie. I mean, how do you feel like? I mean, some of the, the compositing work isn't as good as it obviously. I think anything where you see a, well, anything but... where you see a model like like there's a shot of like the spaceship flying mm-hmm. into yeah, a spaceship. Yeah, I think, that's I think a little... that all looks bad. Mm-hmm. But anything that is like a tactile like model fighting something else yeah. still looks great. Yeah, and the I... aliens look fantastic. I think they they don't feel like man in a suit. They feel like something else. Because oh, yeah. I guess you don't really see them all that clearly. Yeah. Um, the face huggers feel good. There's a couple spots here and there like when they pin it with the bed and like the legs are on the other side of the bed and they're just kind of going back and forth. The rest of the body's not moving. Eh. But for the most part, they look pretty damn good. And when yeah. they're skittering across the floor and they're in the tanks, like, oh, especially when he, like, peeks at the tank and it jumps up and, like, starts sucking the side of the thing. Yeah. It's great. It looks I mean, fucking real, really right? Cool. I mean, it's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that all holds up pretty well. I even like uh, the look of the Steadicam machine guns that they carry. Yeah. Um, all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. The GoPro cameras on their heads. I mean, that's not, not something that had really been done in any other movie yeah, yeah, this one, right? yeah, pretty much. I, I, I think I, again, I think this is an example of just a really solid sci-fi action movie. One that 
I agree with Dave. Probably should have just ended the franchise. And now we have this weird thing where we just keep on making things. That we exist. call it a franchise. It should have just been two movies, yeah. Well, I mean, now we have Aliens vs. Predator. Right. I mean, there's... Prometheus there's, and then another there's Prometheus. There's going to be a Prometheus sequel. Right. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, Ripley's it, story movie, is complete think, after this movie. If you want to... We always talk about how it's importance and how much... I, I think... As much as I don't love the movie, I think it's important because I think it did influence a lot of... I mean, you think, like, Starship Troopers is basically an homage to this whole film. Well, I think James Cameron actually told them to read Starship Troopers before, you know, uh, before making this movie. I think that was one Wait, of his... Wait, what? Well, Starship the, Troopers it, is based it, on a book. Yes. Oh, oh okay, well, I'm talking about the movie. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, well, no, I, I mean... Know, I didn't know that, but that's interesting. No, t- totally. Um, and Starship Troopers is probably worth a rewatch as well um, because of... You know, boobs. boobs, yes, but also <laughs> it's it's the Nazi allegory. So, yeah. um, oh, perfect for the uh, the uh, the year of Trump. Yeah. Wait, Nazi allegory? What do you, what's uh, basically Doogie Hauser looks like he's an SS officer in that movie. Um, but <laughs> it's Nazis versus uh, bugs, it's, yeah, it's Nazis versus bugs. Who's the huh. true, who's the true uh, bug is right. what you have to ask yes. yourself. Um, no, but I, I agree, I think this movie's influenced a lot, I think it shows. You know, James Cameron is not a prolific filmmaker. He's made like what, like eight movies or something? Like he's maybe less than that. Mostly the past twenty years, but like his first, you know, ten fifteen years of filmmaking. I mean, he you know it was eighty four was Terminator, uh, eighty six was Aliens, eighty eight or eighty nine was was The Abyss, and then he had Terminator two ninety ninety one ninety two, and then True Lies, and then Titanic. I mean, you know, every two or three years he had a movie coming out. And then lately, it's, it took it's him all, like ten years to get to Avatar. And then it's all Avatar all the time. After and that. it's been almost ten years since the last Avatar. And then, um, yeah. but I, I just <laughs> think Avatar. I think this movie just shows great chops. I think all the characters are pretty interesting. I agree that the, there are a few over the top characters, but all in all, I think the movie pretty much holds up. Uh, so, you, my final question is: What do you guys think about Sigourney Weaver's performance in the movie? Um, I think she's good. Yeah, she's. Well, I think yeah. she's great. I, mean, I think she gets better as the movie goes on. Is that weird? Um, um, I feel like when, I can see it. when the movie starts out, I feel like she's a little. Maybe it's because she's waking up from cryo sleep. Maybe it was a choice. <laughs> she's a little groggy. They shot man. it in real time, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it was. It was. A, they it actually was, put her in. She had actually been movie. sleeping since 1979. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I think once she gets into the actual action beats as Ripley, I think she does a great job and. I think it's awesome that there is this female protagonist that um, is the badass in the movie. I think it's really important and pretty damn cool. One of the few, if, if not the only, action uh, performance ever nominated for a best, you know, leading performance Oscar. I oh, think. Oh, I didn't know that she, she was, was nominated, nominated for best actress in '86. Boom! Yeah. There you go. Um, and I think this movie answers the question. For this movie. <laughs> I think this movie answers the question: How do you escalate a story about one alien? You have more aliens. <laughs> you have multiple aliens, but it does it in a way where it changes the genre. If this was a hide and seek movie where, you know, they had to hide from four aliens versus like, you know, one, I think that would kind of ruin the movie in a lot of ways. Instead, James Cameron's like, no, we're making a freaking war movie uh, straight up where they're going to be yeah, tons you know, of them. I'll say this. I don't, I don't know how you can, because I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, what if you wanted to do this many aliens? Could you do it in the same genre, the same style as the first one? I think the tone could definitely be much darker, much more grounded. But it, yeah, it abs- I think it absolutely has to become a war movie once you do that. Yeah, I mean, certainly this would have been a very different movie if it was the same script, but also really Scott directing. I mean, it would have been a very different uh, tone, I think. You know, definitely he would have toned, I think he would have toned down the humor, uh, no doubt about that. I mean, really Scott's movies were never that funny, especially in this period. Oh, uh, The Martian's pretty funny. Yeah, well, I'm saying, especially not in the late 70s, early 80s, his movies were like exactly a laugh ride. Blade Runner, Alien. Uh, <laughs> No, no, um, fair point. Black Rain. Uh, um, yeah, and I think that this, the Aliens is a perfect example of the, um, oh shoot, uh, the auteur theory. Like this mm-hmm. idea that a director shapes a work. And I mean, this is a James, it feels like a James Cameron movie. Like it just does. And uh, I think that's very interesting. And it almost makes you wonder what would have happened if this had become a thing where the same director had taken on the franchise. Like what if it had been one of those franchises where it was only a Ridley Scott joint? Like he's the only guy that commanded alien and aliens. I think it might've been a very interesting journey uh, either way. So yeah, any final thoughts about uh, aliens? 
close it out? Uh, I'm going to buy the... I'm a little upset that we did this now. I found out the Blu-ray, the 30th anniversary Blu-ray is being released in a couple weeks. So fans of the movie should look out for that. Uh, I'm going to be buying it. Yeah, 30th anniversary. Clearly. Clearly. Yeah. Um, and Mike, you... Uh, it seems like you actually don't hate it as much as you actually said. I think that you just don't... No, you like I, I the other one my, better because it fits your sensibilities better. But I just... I think when, when, I, when I hold it up, to Alien, that's when I get angry. If I think about it as a standalone <laughs> movie, it's like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's not. It doesn't. It doesn't stay with me. It's and like, I get yeah, and I get angry when people think that this is any, you know, lesser of a movie compared to Alien. I uh, mean, yeah, no, it is. But, but I, yeah, don't, I, I don't. Get ang- I don't get angry <laughs> at all because arguing about movies is lame. Uh, I will say, I will say, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to showing my son this movie at an inappropriate age. So yeah. scaring the bejesus out. I'm, I'm going to have a sleepover party when he with all his friends when he's like 8 and I'm going to pee himself. I'm going to ruin I'm going to ruin all their lives. Hmm. So, um looking forward Good. to doing that. Uh final uh, that was final thoughts. Mike, what are we thoughts. doing next? Uh we are doing I have discovered that I've never in my life seen a Wes Anderson joint. So, we're going to be doing a Wes Anderson joint. Kiss kiss bang bang. Um, <laughs> yep. Kiss kiss bang bang. <laughs> We're doing it. Uh, which one are we doing? Uh, we're actually doing a Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, uh, right. Which is in the top 100 uh, movies of the 21st century, according of to the Of the last BBC. 16 years, yes. Yes. Uh, I still can't get over lit. Mike being upset about that and then realizing that he didn't. Oh, that's, you mean I movies have been around be for most, more than 16 years? Uh, that <laughs> no, might be not according to the internet. moment on this podcast. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm that's was, great. Um yeah, sounds good. We will be doing the World Tenenbaums. Uh, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, on Twitter, Dave Glanz, G-L-A-N-Z, and uh, com. And Mike, what about you? You can find me on my website at MikeMirandi.com, or you can find me at Twitter on Twitter, at MikeMirandi. And you can find me uh, at Ivan Kander on Twitter. Uh, that's K-N-D-E-R, and my website is Lucky9Studios.com. So there you go. Um, if you want to reach us on the web... Uh, for this podcast, you can do so at facebook.com slash reviewed podcast at reviewedpodcast.com and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. Dot com. Until next time, game over, man. <laughs> What's the line that that, that Apone says to Hudson, he's like, contain that shit, Hudson. <laughs> what's the What's the line? It's like, keep that shit contained? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's such a good one. It's oh, so boy, good. Oh, boy, you'd be a great drill instructor. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. I love the core. Yeah. Uh, you get lip cancer smoking those, Sarge. That was one of my favorite throwaway lines that Hudson has. Like, like, and I love when he's chewing on the cancer? cigar. Get lip cancer. <laughs> he's chewing on the cigar, and he's like, my good. While, while recording you're like yeah we're gonna do witness you were like no wait no we're gonna do point break or what was nope. it nope those were first of all that's a terrible impersonation of me it was terrible <laughs> and it was actually it sounds um, just like you <laughs>